This is the Red on Red podcast on redfm.ie. This week on the podcast, we're talking with Merrick Indie promoter Roundy Booker and one third of the Signal Gig Collective, Emma Kelly.
Elaine Malone with new single You and Crevice with Anchorless. This is Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast, dropping every Wednesday via redfm.ie. My name is Mike McGrath-Brien, and for the next hour or so, we're talking with promoter, booker, and general Cork music advocate, Emma Kelly. Emma, how's it going? Hey, Mike, how are you? Uh, you're off of a fairly busy couple of weeks between the roundy and dealing with the upcoming festival circuit. How have things been in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, pretty hectic. Um... It's been good. I've just been working on a tour for the Bonk and Percolator for the past few months, getting that booked. Um, so we're in the middle of that at the moment. Things are going good in the roundy uh, with Jimmy. Just this weekend, just gone, I was actually away down in Sherkin Island for myself, which was nice. At Open Ear? Yeah, it was really nice. Crevice, of course, we just heard from Crevice, one of the bands performing. What was your take on the weekend? Because everything that we've been hearing has been fantastic. Yeah, I thought it was excellent. I really loved it. Like, the setting was beautiful. Um, so, like, if you... There was a lot of room for your own kind of chill time by the beach, which is always nice, by mm. the sea. Um, so you could kind of dip in and out of the festival if you wanted. It wasn't all-consuming. I like to kind of be on my own if I'm, like, around loads of people sometimes. And uh, that was nice to have that escape. But the music itself, like, everybody I heard, I was digging. Everybody was really good. The production was really good. Um... Everything seemed like really well organised and um, the stage was great, like the sound and the stage was great, really, really good sound system in there. Yeah, I was really pleased, I was really, really just had a great time, there was a great crew down there, people, everybody seemed to be really nice. There was a nice number as well, it suits me those kind of festivals, there are only like 500 people. The fact that it's one stage as well, mainly, is really nice and actually... This year I got to explore it a little bit more because I went down to fix it last year and we only had the Friday night. Mm. So I didn't really get to explore at all the island or anything else that was going on. Went down to um, some audiovisual installation um, that was happening in the community school, I think it was, which was really nice. And yeah. there was other bits going on around the place as well, which is really cool. Really good festival. 
it's a savage festival and it's definitely good for Cork music that like a quality festival like that can kind of just happen yeah. off the coastline there as well but it's all Irish I think as well the lineup is yeah it? and it's all it, yeah. yeah it is all Irish and mm, like which is great curation was great actually from the whole festival there was I was, I was actually quite pleasantly surprised at the live element to the festival as well the band No were playing yeah seen them they were really good and then um, Rain Fear New to me. Drummer and um, keyboards, and that was really, really good. And then Crevice as well Mm. were playing. They were excellent. We'll get into curation work of your own a little bit later on. But first off, you came to music in a rather unconventional way, in that a lot of promoters, a lot of stage managers, etc., would have come into music via kind of helping run shows, etc., at 17, 18 years of age, kind of paying the dues. Um, but yourself, you're more from a hospitality and food background. You've always been a music fan, but how did your background kind of stand to you in terms of getting started in music? Mm. It was actually through a friend of mine, Ellen. Uh, she was working in Dell at the time with this guy called Nick. Mm. And Nick had a love for music as well, in particular hip hop. And he was wanting to start this new venue in town. And he wanted somebody to, to look after the music and the marketing, I suppose, of it as well. And Ellen put us in touch because she was like, I mean, you need to meet this guy. He wants to meet somebody who's into music. I think you'd be great for it. Because I was doing some photography at the time for music, just for my own personal... Like, I, I just started a little stupid blog, you know, because I just was going around to gigs with my camera and I was just taking photos. So I just, like, loved going to gigs and loved photography so I just started a little blog and she knew I was into that and then I guess from my experience in promoting uh, food business and stuff like that those kind of skills I was able to use then to transpire over to music Um, because it's a music business as well you know it's the same kind of structure just different content Um, so that's when I started with Nick when we started Urban Jungle that's how I got started, really. I just kind of launched straight into a venue for the first time. Urban Jungle was the basement floor in the Mardike Entertainment Centre that is now a barcade. But the original concept for it was a super venue slash tattoo parlour, kitchen, um, barber shop, etc. It was a big risk to take going straight from zero to running a venue. So I imagine it must have just been a a baptism of fire it's kind of phrase yeah it's completely changed my life to be honest in a good way you know like it totally opened up a new world to me that that I didn't think uh, like I didn't think I'd ever it just opened up a new world to me <laughs> like um, and yeah like there like it was very exciting it was a really exciting project because it was something new yeah we were taking a risk but like the rewards to be gained down the line were, you know, potentially good and we wanted to do something different. Me and Nick got on really well. He's an amazing dude, like, with the same hunger and the same passion for good music and the same disappointment and annoyance with the lack of experimental kind of alternative music venues that there were in the city. So we just kind of came up with this plan and... Yeah, got it going. Like, I mean, it was an amazing project to work on from the start because we were in there. We poured blood, sweat and tears into that place, like literally tore the place. We literally went in and vandalised the place, like tore it apart and got graffiti artists to come in and do murals on the walls. And we totally rejigged it. And um, 
it was a really exciting project and like from the get-go we kind of um, um, were in touch with the Cutting Heads they were just starting at that time as well so I met like Justin and Chris and Shiv and Ross and Jonesy and kind of all the crew and Gary Fitz as well he like so they were a real help to us at the start as well in terms of like the music and the bookings like for the launch night the Cutting Heads played and Tom McSkye I remember him as well and John O'Plonky and Inez and I'm probably missing a few now Sean as well um, so yeah it was just it was really really exciting um, it was it was definitely challenging it definitely took up a lot of time and effort and stuff but it was really rewarding and I was like super excited about it and I'm really glad I did it because I learned so much good and bad about music and work running a venue. For those that re- maybe aren't familiar with the challenges of running a venue, outline for us definitively the process of keeping a venue booked week in, week out. One of my biggest challenges with running a venue, um, and luckily I don't have to come up against this too often, but I think maybe if it's to sustain in the future that there kind of there might have to be a compromise um, of interests of a, a little bit. You might have to compromise yourself or your, what you're into. Um, because like you need to have it open every weekend and unfortunately as much as I love and I only love really putting on alternative kind of experimental music gigs and something that's a little bit different for people um, you know if we were to do those every night of the weekend I don't know if we'd get the crowds in Hmm. every week and especially now like another challenge with a venue is other venues that are kind of popping up around the place and other things like fucking other things that people have going on you know uh, Cork's a small place and when you're catering for a certain small community it's it's hard to unfortunately I have to consider the numbers you know the bar figures at the end of the weekend to keep the bar open and that's a compromise because you know I wouldn't ideally I'd love to work um in a non-for-profit organisation where I could just put on gigs and put on music and put on shows, all sorts of shows and not worry about, um, you know, what the bar is doing. But we have to take that into consideration. So I guess that's a little bit of, um, which isn't a bad thing either because people are always going to drink at gigs anyway. Mm. But uh, that's something that we have to keep an eye on. Would you ever work in a kind of a non-for-profit space kind of similar to, you know, the likes of the... BYOB spaces that Minnie O'Callaghan was talking about when he was talking about the horse tour a couple of weeks ago the kind of the non-for-profits that operate solely on kind of an alcohol-free basis would you see something like that working in Cork maybe? I think that would be amazing I would love to dig my heels into something like that for sure absolutely 100% for so many different reasons I think it's I think um, you know it's it's Sometimes it, it bothers me how intertwined the music and the drinks industry is and how we can only put on gigs in bars, you know. Um, because I think for the more, like, music, it kind of takes on another... When you're, when you're trying to portray art, sometimes art is delicate, like, sometimes the music is delicate and it doesn't fit in a bar, mm. you know. It shouldn't be in a bar, but it's the only space that we can do it in, so it has to go. But I think, yeah, like, a BYO... Like even a BYOB, BYOB uh, venue is fine because people have the option to not drink then. But I think specifically the non-for-profit thing is is important because like if you can put on shows on a maybe a cooperative basis with somebody 
and not worry about profits, then like that's a huge relief off your shoulders, and you can you can just strive to what what you want to put on and what you believe in, and create a sense of kind of you know create that that safe space for people to experiment and explore their different creative avenues and their different music and. I think spaces like that are really important and I think if there was something like that in Cork that'd be amazing but I just don't know how feasible or how you know because the rents are insane in Cork I don't know I mean like yeah if that's if people are wanting to do that let me know (laughs) We've seen that you've been involved in some collaborative stuff inside of the Roundy and we'll talk about that a little bit later on but for now let's go to some tunes Emma you've chosen a playlist for us tonight Fixity with Hungry Clouds yeah, love Fixity. So I've been working with Fixity now for maybe two years. I could be missed about that time. And yeah, love them. Um, Hungry Clouds is my favourite track and Blue Paint is my other favourite track off that record. Um, it's funny, like on tour, it's kind of one of the songs that I found myself recording like all the time. I just love it so much. Um, but every time I see, I've seen Fixity play a lot now and every single time I see them it's it's almost like a new experience to the last because I suppose there's improv elements in it and there's different band members every time um, so it's there's always a different take on it but um, I, fi- I find that the music itself is so powerful that it it, it never dulls it's, it just gets more exciting every time you know I look forward to going to a Fixity gig every single time and speaking of unending power you've got the Altered Hours with their Dig Early single I really relate to the lyrics in it, um, the, the chorus or whatever. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I totally get you. Um, but yeah, no, the track is amazing. I love the Altered Airs as well. They're another band that, like, every time I've seen them, every every time I see them, they 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 just it's it's like they get better. Even if if that's possible, they get better every time. I just think they're so incredible. I really do think they're like the best band in Ireland, to be honest. You'll find no arguments here on that score. Fixity with Hungry Clouds and the Altered Hours with Dig Early here on Red on Red.
The Altered Hours with Dig Early here on Red on Red. Still joined in studio by our guest this week, Emma Kelly. Emma, after the Urban Jungle Project, you decided to move on to tour booking and operating, first of all, independently. Um, over a number of months, you kind of sat down and spoke with different people in different roles in Cork Music, just kind of picking their brains a little bit about kind of the different wheels that go into making music turn around you. And the byproduct of that turned out to be um, Merak Indie, which is your, your, your promotions name slash booking agency. And, you know, for those not in the know, obviously Merak Indie gigs run out of the roundy predominantly. Uh, there's a little bit of agency involved. But your first project... Uh, was in keeping with you kind of taking on big ambitions right from the get-go by booking a initially 20-date and eventually 24-date tour of Ireland for a trio of solo musicians that you were working with at the time. What goes through your mind when assembling a large-scale tour like that for a touring market like Ireland, which has maybe been kind of uh, pockmarked by maybe eight or nine different towns or cities, expanding that to 2024? How did it come together and what went into keeping the whole show on the road? That was a really special tour, I think. Um, it was a really special time overall, to be honest. Um, it came about really organically. To- so I seen I seen them perform in a cafe, like a few people playing on each other's tracks back home in Wexford. And I thought it was really, really nice. And I got chatting to the guys afterwards and Paul had kind of finished, Paul and Ian had finished up doing a, a tour over in Germany that was kind of in alternative spaces like home shows and cafes and stuff like that so we got together and they asked me would I be interested in booking their tour uh, for them and we just had a chat about it and I mean what I would love to create and still do with Mark Indy is putting on art and theatre and music shows in alternative spaces because I think it's I think it's it brings in a whole new element and a whole new way of um, experience in the show. Um, and so we just did a load of research. I was up and down the country meeting people, driving like up to Wicklow to meet the half pair and like driving all over the place to meet these people and introduce myself and tell them what we were about and see if they would take on a gig, um, sometimes for the first time. Um, so it was like, it was hard, you know, um, getting the infrastructure together especially when you're kind of going to a new space that's never done a show before so like there was extra work with the promo end of it and but yeah I loved it I mean like I still I still hold on to those memories of that tour very closely and it was like we became really good friends on tour like you know Paul's one of my best friends now and Paula and um Ian, they're all like great. We just became like a little family on tour, and we like one of my favorite shows to date was the end of that tour when we put on a show um, in a barn in Wexford, and I did a, it was so it was the homecoming tour, yeah. like the homecoming show. Sorry, and I did a photography exhibition on the upstairs, so I documented the whole tour in photographs and hung them on the wall, so it would give people a whole experience of the whole tour and how it started and kind of where we went along the way, even the views down in Kerry or in a little clothes shop in Cork or in the Happy Pair or whatever, you know. And we had food there as well. So it was kind of an all-encompassing event where you'd kind of feed people and they, um, we had the show then at the end and it was just so special, like so unique and so different and 
a real sense of like we accomplished this together. It was a real team effort, you know. And off of the back of this, then you've worked in both venue booking and tour booking, and we'll get into a little bit of that with such a time-heavy experience like tour booking, like promoting, and in a role that often demands that you wear a lot of different hats, you know, promoting, uh, production, um, oftentimes, you know, sourcing audio equipment for venues that wouldn't necessarily have um, frontline. What was it about tour management and booking specifically that kind of captured your imagination? I think what I'm doing with tour management and booking and putting on shows is... On the on the one hand, it's I feel like it's really important. I feel like music needs this kind of administrative role to keep it going, um, you know, so the musicians can work on the music, and you know we can work on the admin side of it and the organisation and putting it out there and the promo and things. And and to be honest, like it's kind of a it's kind of a way for me to creatively express myself, which is you know important to me as well. Um, like the kind of shows I put on as from Marak Indie I only would put on if I really felt something from the music and you know felt a real genuine connection from the people who were, do, who were making the music um, and I guess it's coming from a place of wanting to help the whole scene move forward and like I think all these like I think the likes of the Bonk and Fixity and um Clang Sane and you know these kind of thing people that I've been working with I think their music is really important and it's really different and I think it's important for that kind of music to survive um, and keep going you know in that spirit you've added tour agenting and more regular tour booking alongside uh, your regular venue booking activities working again as you've mentioned with Fixity Emperor the bunk etc what goes into managing a tour on the road what goes into keeping kind of everybody together and 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 staying sane over the course of a number of days across a week or a number of weekends like from a practical side of it the mm. logistical side like getting there transport um food is <laughs> really important uh, accommodation so we would work together on the tour management end of things like with the with the musicians or the artists that I'm working with, we'd um, just like sound checking time. What time are we loading into the venue? First of all, what time is sound check? You know, can like go and getting some food in between sound check and the first show and the second show, and then like where are we staying that night, and then what time we need to leave the next day to get to the next venue? What time was loading in that venue? Where is the parking? Where are we staying that night? Um, that's the logistical side of it. And then I suppose pre-tour, um, you're emailing a lot, you're figuring out dates, you're trying to match up. Um, depending on the act that you're working with, like some acts have more musicians that are quite busy. So it's, you know, it's, it can be difficult to tie in dates that suit everybody. And it could take a while to book a tour because there's somebody back and forth when you're trying to you know, figure out what dates some musicians are available and, and when the venue's available. And then when it's a doubleheader tour, then you've got another band that you have to figure out their dates as well. What advice would you give prospective tour managers looking at getting into the game? I'd say give yourself a lot of time to book a tour anyway. Um, like I would like to say to people now if I'm booking a tour that I would like, you know, a six or nine month lead in, to be honest, um, to do, you know, a fruitful job. Um, rather than leaving everything to the last minute, you know, 
Um, it's nice to have everything organised well in advance, have your promo done well in advance. I mean, some some booking, like, I, I kind of like to have my hand in a few different aspects of it just because, I don't know, I want, like, I have an overall sense of what I want the tour to be, so I feel like it's important for me to have kind of a say in, in a different aspect, like the promo, the posters, or then the tour management end of things as well. First of all, the most important thing is that you're into the music and that you connect with the people that are doing the music and that you're respected and you respect them and there's a mutual um, mutual understanding there of each other's work and stuff and honesty is very important and clarity at the start of what, what exactly your tasks are and what your expectations are as well from the musicians, like what they expect this tour to do or what just so everybody's on the same page, that's very important to iron out at the start, I think. And then as well, just giving yourself giving yourself time, allocate a day a week to that tour specifically. Um, depending on what it needs, you know, sometimes it might make more than that. And sometimes like a lot of time you're on your phone um, at any time of the day. But, you know, just be prepared for that. Like it's it's um, it's not like a nine to five job, you know, and research is really important as well. It depends, like, what the musicians want to get from the tour. You know, if they're just wanting to do the, the, the normal route, then, you know, just do the research on the t- on the dates available, connect with whoever's doing the booking in the different venues. But also it's really important, I think, as well, to look out, um, to seek out those promoters in different pockets of Ireland that are into the kind of music that you're, d- the, the tour that you're booking. Because uh, that can be really helpful. You could slot into a monthly music night that someone... Like like we do with Signal, you know, that's really handy to slot in there somewhere on tour. So, and then that's why you need that time, you know, to give yourself because if you leave it too late, th- those slots are more than likely filled up because these slot th- these things are organised three months in advance mm. usually. You know, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about your venue work with the Roundy. But first, over to more tunes. You've chosen the Great Balloon Race with Did It on My Own. This song um, I really like. It's probably one of the quieter ones from the album, but. Um, it always reminds me of driving. Like I had it in my, had it on my band camp on my phone, and I had a little speaker in the car because my radio was broken. So, um, I just became obsessed with this album. Gently, gently, I just think it's amazing. I think it's such a good album. Um, and this track in particular kind of resonated with me. Um, I've seen those guys live a couple of times, but I'd love to see them actually out on the road more well if that's what they want um, I'd love to see more of them well hopefully you might because apparently they've got some new material they were Great. they were road testing some new material at the corner house on uh, referendum night there oh, yeah, two weekends ago uh, that was a lovely show and you've also got the shaker hymn with sucking it out the shaker hymn are one of my favourite bands in Cork actually for a long time I think actually ages ago like before I even met Keelan Sherlock like I bought I had his record and I really loved it a little like uh, seven inch one and this track is just I love it it's just so strong and it's so ballsy <laughs> I just love Keelan's aggression in it like because he's such a yeah. soft spoken guy and then like I just I just really love this track he's just such a happy go lucky guy mm. and then they have all these songs about the end of the world and the millennial condition as well That it's such a dichotomy you know this is the great balloon race with did it on my own here on red on red
Shaker him with sucking it out here on Red on Red. We're back in studio with Emma Kelly, and in July of last year, you assumed the booking duties for the Roundy, a 50 capacity space upstairs in the Roundy Bar on Castle Street. In the years prior, the Roundy had been a bit of an outpost for things like folk music, like slight bits of jazz, slight bit of world music. Um, it was a really strong outlet for improv as well. Um, Hanerl Park had his Stet Lab gigs there uh, after having a few in UCC's uh, music department, which led to the Merce Collective and a monthly residency in there for the drone rock scene at the time. But by the time you came along, the space had kind of been earmarked for other things and its resurgence as a music venue under your stead has been extraordinary. Maybe take us through how the Roundy kind of came under your tutelage and what your initial vision was for the space. I started back in July, I think, and originally, yeah, I wanted it to be... I definitely wanted it to become a music venue because like, it's right in the middle of town. It's a nice size of it as well. Um, and it's it just had potential like to me at the time. So just met Frank, like the owner, and he he just trusted me like from the start. Um, I kind of worked on him with him before, like from other little bits. But yeah, he 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 was a music fan himself anyway. So he was just like, yeah, if you think this will work, go for it. Like you know, he's really supportive actually. Like because you wouldn't get many publicans that are allowing you to use their very valuable space um, in the middle of city centre for weird alternative music gigs, you know. Um, so that was really cool. Did the first gig there in August with uh, Transmission Club in Spec, which was really good. Went down a storm. It was actually a great gig. Justin was uh, DJing as well. And that was the first one. Um, and then short, very shortly after that, like, Jimmy came on board, plugged was shutting down. 
me and Jim went for coffee and that's when it kind of he was uh, started then he came over opened up officially around October Jimmy Horgan moves upstairs then in October by day uh, taking with him Plugged Records which had been part of the Triscoll Arts Centre up until they had a parting of the ways now all of a sudden the roundy goes from a single issue space running shows to a record shop later a little bit of a bookshop and, a, and an outlet for visual art sales um, as well as contributing to the gigging calendar upstairs in the building what has it been like working with Jimmy and kind of taking into account the massive amount of experience that he's accrued over the years um, it's been amazing like I'm learning loads from Jimmy um, he's got so much experience like he's been running club records for like I don't know 16 years is it um, so he's he's a whole wealth of knowledge and he's got a really nice taste in music and it's been yeah it's been great like it's been incredible working with him um, you know he's obviously such a nice person as well so yeah like that kind of in itself opened up a whole new kind of world of knowledge and more kind of electronic based music as well um, but yeah it's like it's been going really well like the record shop of course it just makes sense that it's up there because there was nothing up there during the day anyway so why not have a record shop open up there and mm. like I mean you know it's right in the middle of town it's handy you just have to go upstairs you can get a pint downstairs you can get a coffee um, you can like we'd like to encourage more people to come up there during the day if they want to sit down and use their laptops or you know just to hang out and you know we, we'd love for people to feel comfortable to do that and um because it is like your local kind of hangout store, the record shop, you know. I mean, there wasn't ma- any major challenges in, in turning it into a gig space. Then at night time, you just have to like you move around a few tables and change out furniture. But like, that's grand. I'd love to take you up on the uh, hangout uh, aspect of the show. You might find this show being edited in there uh, of a rush every Wednesday morning from now on. But um, yourself and Jimmy are the engine behind the venue but there's also been a lot of really interesting monthly residencies opening up since you've come in uh, Patrick Freeman has been organising on Club Crin uh, which has been a really really good space for new and developing folk and trad um, in the city scene um, the electronic folk bring what they term to be kind of art pop but there's been other bits and pieces there for example yourself you've had a collaborative venture with Cormac Daly of Cosmonaut Music and Jamie Collin of Overblown CO.UK called Signal and it's been the three of you kind of bringing your heads together and bringing your own collaborative vision to a flagship monthly night for the venue how did Signal come about and maybe outline the importance of Signal to the venue regarding your own vision for it going forward came about I guess well I love collaborating with people anyway mm. uh, I love working with people on projects you know uh, especially with music stuff it's a lot of fun and sometimes the workload on your own when you're running gigs can get a bit much and you know it's just nice to kind of share ideas with somebody and, and bounce you know those kind of thoughts like what do you think of this do you think this will go well and mm. you know everybody brings in a different element to a show that you do, you don't and and also, I think it's important for the music that collaborations like this exist because what I found from uh, going around the country to different gigs and looking at great bands was that 
you know, a band could be really popular up in, let's say, like Sligo, for example, or like Mayo or something. But then when they when they want to do a tour, which they need to do to make money and sell merch and stuff to keep the music going, like sometimes they, they might come down to Cork and not have a crowd because they're not well known. So I think it was really important to start something like this to help bridge that gap um, from from bands so that like we would you know hopefully that, that you know signal like people will just trust us that we're putting on good shows and then we'll you know people like booking agents like myself who are booking a tour for somebody will see promoters like you know or nights like this and say well well you know can we come under that night you know mm. like I was saying earlier and um, and also we just wanted to make connections with different parts of our different parts of Ireland ourselves, like different promoters who are doing similar things to us in different in different places, and just kind of um, solidify a bit of a network around Ireland, like a domestic circuit, and maybe hopefully, you know, move it to the UK as well. Um, that's kind of in the future, like plans or whatever. But yeah, I think um, the vision was really to help create a night of good music, good bands. And also, it was important for me to put on band, like different genres on one night to keep it interesting and, um, you know, not just have two, like, punk gigs, like, or two punk bands that would have maybe a hip-hop. And as long as it's not too, like, clashing or too off the wall. Yeah. But I generally think those kind of nights work well because they're more interesting and you kind of get, you know, you might get the hip-hop crowd who might necessarily listen to the band you know, but now they're after coming to the gig and they really like them and maybe they will in the future and vice versa then, you know. So in the last nearly a year or so, obviously the Roundy has been doing really, really well. A vision is starting to kind of make itself clear around the venue for you. What do you see the future of the space being? What more would you like to accomplish with it in the next couple of years? I definitely would like to see more people in there during the days, at the, at the you know, coming in, hanging out, getting coffee, mm. and we have plans to like maybe make a little coffee machine, well not make one, but put one up there. Yeah. Um, making some coffees and stuff and turn it into a bit of a cafe vibe, um, more of a relaxed atmosphere. And we just want people talking about music more and just coming in and just sharing ideas and creating a space where people feel safe to do so as well. You know, come at us with different, all your weird things and if we can fit it in we will um we like we just yeah we just want a, a space for you know experimental alternative good music speaking of experimental and good music we've got a pair of tunes from new cork label Su. we've covered these lads over the last couple of months a collective of young musicians working in the electronic and singer songwriter genres we've got ghost king is dead the new single from Matt Corrigan and collaborators with Fool and Automatic Blue with new single Happy House here on Red on Red. I'm alright in thinking you put up a wall between you and I. I'm too small of a person to ever hope and climb. Oh and oh it's all just as I feared I'm coming across. A little bit of weird Everything I do with the express interest Of impressing you doesn't seem to work I'm getting the impression you're getting the impression I'm just some kind of jerk Only a fool would throw true love away Flying around in my head for days You're flying around knocking books off of my shelf Shut it. 
Automatic Blue with Happy House here on Red on Red. And just before we head away, Emma, it's a busy couple of weeks now for the roundy, but also the festival circuit comes a calling for yourself and your artists. How's your summer shaping up? We've got Body and Soul coming up, the Bonk and O Emperor playing at that, and also the Bonk are playing up in Soil Festival as well, up in Donegal. O Emperor playing at Electric Picnic as well. Later on, all together now, starting up in uh, Waterford, which is close to Wexford, so I might go to that actually, see what the crack is. Seems like there's a good lineup and stuff. But yeah, other than that, then we've just got a tour, the, per- the Bonk and Percolator tour, so we're in Dublin on July 5th and up in Letterkenny then later on in July 21st of July that is Letterkenny is a bit of an unlikely spot isn't it but you always hear about psychedelic rock happening in the art centre there yeah the RCC that's Jeremy Howard runs that um, and then there's another crew like Disturbance so uh, that's another kind of another collective I suppose uh, that are running really there's a good scene up there like yeah I can't wait to go up there it's going to be my first time up there but I heard great things about the RCC and what's coming up in the roundy for the rest of the, the rest of the month? The rest of the month we have um, well this weekend we have Happy Alone, which I haven't seen yet. Cormac's putting on that. Yeah, with Gadget on the Cloud uh, supporting, so that should be good. Um, that's on Friday, and then uh, next Friday is actually well next Thursday it's the, C- the, the Improver monthly Dan Walsh's residency. Mm. Um, the fifteenth the Friday then is a fundraiser for Sample Studios that Chris Summers is organising. Um, there's uh, Paddy Shine from Nod, Woven Skull, and May May May. Then next Saturday, which would be a really good show. It's a savage lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the following week, then we have the Folk Club on the Thursday, and Body and Soul is that weekend. So there won't be much happening, but the out out is on the Saturday. A packed lineup for the rest of the month there at the Roundy. That's all from this week's episode of Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast from RedFM.ie. Thanks very much, Emma, for coming in. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please take the time to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Share this on your social media and make sure to check out the artists featured online or at an upcoming gig. And if you'd like more Irish tunes, please be sure and listen in to Green on Red on Sunday nights with Alan O'Donovan for the best of all that is Irish on Cork's Red FM, 104 to 106. Emma, you're seeing us out with a little bit of Shukra with Woman. Yeah, Shukra are another amazing band from Cork. Um, I've seen them live now a few times and again, like every time. They're, they've got so much energy, the music is brilliant. They're such great musicians and people individually. Um, so it's really nice to see them doing so well. This is Shukra with Woman and we'll talk to you next week.
This is the Red on Red podcast on redfm.ie.